Uh, well, this morning we are continuing in, in our series on Acts, and I, I hope you guys aren't getting tired of this. I, I have really been enjoying this. I've really been, it, it, it's amazing how much when you focus on one book, other books kind of come to light, other things come to light um, that, that you weren't planning on, um, uh, that you were, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if anybody's read through Acts and then kept going. I talked to s- a few of you, and I've heard that. Um, where they've picked up other books and um, in the midst of studying this. And, um, I am just loving this. I'm loving this idea of following after the first century church, that, that, that first bit of the church and seeing how, how the Lord has um, had set things up and how the Lord used ordinary people, obnoxious people, ornery people, to change the world. So if you feel like you're any one of those kind of people, um, <laughs> God can use you. Um, I know that I've been obnoxious at times. I've, I've been an ornery um, guy at times. I've been annoying at times. I have been hyper at times. And all of that is part of who I am, yes, but it is not who I am in Jesus. Um, he has a plan for us, and, and, and sometimes that's to change the things that we have in us, and sometimes that's using the things that are in us. Um, we're we're going to start out in chapter 11 um, this morning. I know that's a skipping part of chapter 10. We're coming back to it, um, but the title this morning is, is kind of just a place marker. It, it, in defense of change, I couldn't have think of any w- other thing to say about this chapter. Um, the, the beginning of this chapter, Peter ends up... Um, uh, some people have difficulty with change. D- do you think? A- anybody have difficulty with change? I do. For the rest of you that are lying, um, <laughs> we will have prayer after church. Um, <laughs> But we all have prob- problems with change, right? When we get comfortable, it's hard to change. It's hard to go to that next thing, isn't it? Because we, we defend that thing that, like, well, what, what about my thing? I, what about that thing that we've done all this time? This new thing, it's, there's nothing new under the sun. I mean, that's well, we always bring that out when change is happening, right? Oh, there's nothing new under the sun. And all that does is just kind of mask over change. Because really, what is life? Change. Constant. Constant change. When, when we see in, in the word this, this idea of, of a river of life, have you ever followed what a river does? It changes. Either how you go down that river, it changes. You can have those smooth not even rated as rapids kind of places, as smooth and almost like glass, it's still moving. But it's just, just a slow and steady movement. You can have those places where, where there's these little pools off to the side of the river where, where water can collect and just kind of collect back on itself, those eddies, where, where some of the water will stop there for a little while. You can have times where it gets into that, uh, that little bit of movement, a little bit of, like, it's just about to get to the, the rough part. And, and that's like, oh, okay, there's something happening. There's something coming, right? 
And then you have that drop into the rapids. And the rapids are fast and, and they can be crazy and, and you can go even to the point of a waterfall where that water drops dramatically. Changes like that. Life is like that, isn't it? You have those, those moments. And any time we think that we're just in a river that is that slow-moving, kind of pastoral river, God changes it up on us, doesn't he? And, and although we don't like change, and we have difficulty with change, when we really look at who's changing us, and who is bringing that change into being, Jesus brings that change into us. From the start, he brings that change into us, right? We love Jesus, right? And when Jesus changes us, we're like, yes and amen. We might later go, ow. (laughs) And that's okay. And it's okay to say, Jesus, why are you changing me? Because sometimes we don't see what he sees. And sometimes we have to ask, Jesus, why? Why this? Why this rapid right now? That's what he wants us to do. He wants us to talk to him, right? He wants us to get to that place where we're like, Jesus, why? Because he's going to go, my child, this is why. He wants to tell us. He wants to inform us. And when we do that, then all of a sudden the change makes sense. But usually when we're going through it, we don't understand it, do we? And so that, that place marker of indef- defensive change is, is, is really talking about what we're seeing in the midst of, of Peter and, and the Jewish Christians at this time. Um, you see, um, after Peter's missions trip, he kind of takes this little mini missions trip. Um, and, and he goes out um, to see some of the outlying parts of the church that has expanded outside of Jerusalem, to see some of the people that have been displaced and, and moved out further to be safer from, from persecution. Um, and he comes back, and the religious elite of the new church question Peter as to his choice of going to the Gentiles. Because we talked about this. We talked about how he, he had this vision about, about um, food, about animals coming down and animals that you normally didn't eat as a Jewish person, and God was saying, kill and eat. And he was saying, oh, no, Lord, no, that's, that's that it's not so. can't be. And he ends up going to, um, he go, goes to the point of realizing, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll do this. But it wasn't the lesson that he was meant to learn. What he was meant to learn was that this was being, uh, this, this gift was not just being given to the people of, uh, of Israel, not just being given to this chosen people. It was going to be given to even to the Gentiles, even us, right? This gift. And he had to prepare Peter so that Peter could then go back and help with the change for the rest. Um, in Acts um, 11, 2 through 3, it says, Um, So when Peter went to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, you went to the uncircumcised men and ate with them. Let's just back up a moment. The circumcision party. I don't see party at all. (laughs) There's, yeah, um, Kelly and I were talking about this and 
um, talking about a party, and 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 we're like a bunch of grumpy old men sitting around. Um, <laughs> but okay, um, but this circumcision party was was really just this elite, these these um, Jewish um, believers, these Jew- Jews that had had been raised in the temple. Um, Mindset raised in this tabernacle temple mindset, and and from that circumcision background, the 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 law background, they're going, hey, wait, 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 Peter, you're not supposed to go in their house. It's it says it. Well, somebody says it, and you went in and uh, it went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. Now they weren't charging him; they were asking him to explain himself because they. They respected him. They respected him as a leader. They may have been this religious elite, but and, and he was just a fisherman, but he, he hung out with Jesus. So they respected him, but they still asked the question. It's still like us going, why, Lord? Why the change? They were asking Peter, why, why are you doing this? What, what, what happened? This, the, the circumcised were those that um, they transitioned from being Jews in this higher order and in that, um, they just had all of these laws still in the background that God was slowly slicing out of their life. No pun intended. Um, but there's no partiality with God, right? There's no partiality. And I believe that there is only one, um, one Christian group that could claim being of some higher level of some higher place and those are those that are being martyred i mean it says it in the word that they're going to have a place before the throne they're going to have they're going to have their own seats their own places and and the thing is is we're not going to be offended because there's no cheap seats in heaven because every seat was paid for and bought with one price these are just ones that they God wants them to be seen for the fact that they gave it all, like Jesus gave it all. And I, and I don't really think that they're elevated above. I'm just saying that if there was anybody that would be, it would be them. Peter explains his reasoning masterfully to, to these guys. He, he's, already, he's already processed through this, this change. He's on the other side of it. He comes to 11, 15 through 18, he says, as I, I be, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them. He's talking about this, this group at Cornelius' house. Um, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as on us at the beginning. He's making an image. He's, he's putting an image out of, he's talking about when the, when the Holy Spirit alighted on them like little tongues of fire, right? He's getting that, that image of Pentecost into their heads, and he says, just like that, this happened for them. And I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John, baptized with water, but you will baptize with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave us the same gift to them as he um, gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? Anybody try to stand in the way of a river? I think that's just a small image on what it'd be like standing in the way of God. 
When they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God, saying, Then to, ge- to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. That, that's a heart that's prepared for change. They still asked the question because they were like, this is different than we are used to. This feels different. You ever have that? Ah, it feels different. Now, sometimes it's like, it's like, it's like these chairs, right? It feels different. Well, that, that feels good. You know, I mean, instead of the black chairs that we used to have in here, right? You go to these cushy chairs, and it's like, okay, that's a good change. So sometimes we're okay with change. But sometimes the change is like, well, well <laughs> anybody? <laughs> anybody have kids or have had kids um, can understand when you change something, it, there's a lot of, <laughs> but, but, <laughs> why not? Um, The first thought I had was, uh, was this. We, we've been talking about living on mission. This is the, the idea, the whole, the whole concept of this, this, this walkthrough of Acts is how we live on mission. And the first thought is living on mission means living beyond borders. Living beyond boundaries. You know, um, I, I don't believe that God sets boundaries. I feel that people set boundaries. Right? I, I, I'm having a um, part of our land has just shifted. Our, our personal land, Kelly and I, our, our house, there's about three feet of our land that's going over onto a development's property. And we're getting our, our fences getting taken and we're getting a new fence and all this. And, but it, 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 really, it really factors in. It's like I'm sitting there going, oh, my boundaries are being shifted. But boundaries are something that man does, right? Boundaries are something that matters to man, but the heart is what matters to God. And so he's going to shift our boundaries all the time. You ever been moved? Did you ever have a season where you moved a number of times in the same year? Anybody? Anybody? If you haven't done that personally, have you moved other people that have done that? Yeah, I, I, just, I just was helping move somebody on, on Saturday, and, and it, you know, it, it's interesting because it's painful. It's painful to try, to try to go from one house to another house. To shift from a place you're comfortable to some place where you're like, I'm going to forget where the bathroom is in the middle of the night. Come on. You guys have all had that where you're like walking and you're like in a closet and you're like, where am I? Some of you may have done that in your own home. Um, you've been in for years. Um, so, you know, it happens sometimes. But change is like that. Change is like moving from one house to another house and not knowing where the bathroom is in the middle of the night. Or having a spouse that loves to move furniture and moves the furniture and you go and hit it in the middle of the night. Anybody? Any guys do that? Anybody? Yeah. Okay. Good, John. Good. Paying attention. All right. <laughs> Life on mission will take us to places that we don't expect. And we need to be prepared for the unexpected. How do you do that? How do you be prepared for things you can't expect? You just need to be ready that God is going to change where you are, who you are around, what you are doing. We will meet people that we wouldn't have without Jesus. Have you ever looked around at the church and realize that 
Would we be friends in, in, in company if we didn't have Jesus? <laughs> That's, I mean, I, I'm not saying that I, I, I love you all. This is, this is not a, um, a diss on one another or anything like that. But that common thread of Jesus draws people from totally different backgrounds together. And that thread runs through all of us, right? But we're different. And without Jesus, we wouldn't meet people. We'd get people in our circle, and that's it. We'd be able to shut down and say, um, we're going we're gonna to go up here and build this place, and nobody else can come, and nobody, else, and nobody can leave. Oh, wait. That's a cult, isn't it? <laughs> um, but it's what, what human beings do. We compartmentalize. We like, to, we like to bring things together that are alike and, and, and the same and that like the same things. And, and we don't like to have things shifted. We don't like to be r- rattled at all, right? We don't like to have, have, have different things happening in our life unless we, we are the ones that are doing it. The gospel matters. Not just that Jesus lived, but rather that he was born, he fulfilled every single prophecy about him. He lived, yes, but he also died. And the most important part is that he was resurrected. As we see um, back in in, in chapter 10, we're going to jump back to chapter 10, 37 through 42 says, You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee. This is Peter talking to uh, the household of Cornelius. Um, He's telling him, you guys know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed. Now God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. The resurrection of Jesus is the primary focus of the gospel. Is our constant target of refocus. Constantly in our life. When we're in the midst of change, we're constantly refocusing on Jesus. Anybody else? You, you feel like sometimes you get kind of walking over here and you go, oh, Jesus is over here. Anybody? Because I, 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 I don't know about you, but there are times where, you know, that, that little fine path up in the mountains that we're going through following Jesus, it's kind of hard to see. It's not one that everybody takes. It's not the easy path. And so we get off of that a little bit. And we have to get back to where Jesus is. Because we might be, um, feel like, yeah, okay, well, let's, let's go blaze a trail. But without Jesus, this trail is difficult. We need Jesus to blaze the trail for us. The second thought was that living on mission means constant refocus. You know, there, there's this story about the, um, uh, the people of Israel when they were um, out in the desert. 
and they were getting um, this trial by snakes, really. They were, they were getting bitten by snakes. People were dying, uh, poisonous snakes, um, and they cry out. And the, what's, what's, the, what's the, the remedy that's given? A bronze serpent on a pole. Okay? That wouldn't be my first guess, but, but it's this, this serpent on a pole that when people get bit by a snake, it's a snake, so it's easy to remember. Look to the snake, look to this image, and you will be saved. Which we know that sounds very familiar to Jesus, right? Jesus being lifted up. When we look to Jesus, we'll be saved. That was a precursor to, to Jesus on the cross. And that, that, that idea is that refocusing. When we are attacked by the enemy, refocusing on Jesus is what staves off the attack. When we are facing things of this world, when we face depression, when we face illness, when we face the issues with aging, all of these things, when we refocus on Jesus, we may or may not be healed. That's in His will, right? If it's in His will to be healed, great. But ultimately, His will is going to be taking us home. So sometimes being healed from something might be taken home. But that refocusing is good. That refocusing is right. That refocusing takes our eyes off of change and puts our faith and our, our, our focus on Jesus who never changes. Focusing on Jesus and his resurrection helps us to weather the changes of life. Focusing on Jesus centers us in the purposes of this life. He has purpose for you. Are you breathing right now? Are, are, are you breathing? Can you check your heart? Is your heart going? Is, is it beating? Okay, he's not done with you. If you have breath in your lungs, he is not finished with you. You are not done until, until you're in his embrace. Focusing on Jesus fuels salvation, fuels discipleship, fuels the multiplication of the church. All things that we, you know, we don't want to talk about numbers. And, and, and I, I kind of shy away from that too. But the, there is something about when we are focused on Jesus, Peter went out on a trip to go around and look at the churches that were out there. Why was he going to this group of, at Cornelius' house? It was not about the, the churches he was going to. There was a mission that God put him on. Life on mission. Following Jesus will have that effect of, of fueling salvation in people's lives. It will fuel discipleship in people's lives. You'll see people change and be okay with it and be excited about it, right? And you'll be excited about that change in their life. And it multiplies the church. The church is not about division or subtraction. It's always about addition and multiplication. Yeah? There's an exponential quality to the church in us individually and in this world. The move of the Holy Spirit will forever astound us. 
won't it? Acts 10, 44 through 45. While Peter was um, still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. These are the, the household of Cornelius. Um, and the believers from among the circumcised, those that were, who were, had come with Peter, um, were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. The third thought is that living on mission means loving who God loves. Okay, let me say that again. Living on mission means loving who God loves. He loves everyone. Who do we love? I say we as the, the mankind. Not just you. I'm just not picking on one of you in here. But as mankind, who do we love? We love ourselves. We love our circle of people. But God calls us to so much more. I mean, throughout God's story, throughout history, we see that, that salvation is so a part of his nature. It's so a part of who God is. John 3.16, and this is coming from the message. Uh, just a beautiful way of saying, this is how, how much God loved the world. He, ga- um, he gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why. So that no one need be destroyed by believing in him. Um, anyone can have, whole and lasting, have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help, to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust in him has long since been under the death sentence without knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind son of God when introduced to him. God loves this way. God loves this way that we are on. He loves, he loves so completely. And this is how we are to love others. Completely. It is so hard to do, isn't it? It does. Just think about your relationship with your family. Sorry, I, isn't there times where you just just love to hate them? <laughs> you love them, but you don't like them necessarily. Or, I mean, I've heard these stories. I, I, am I am I coming at this cold here? Nobody have this, <laughs> right? Way we say it, yeah. That's that's another way to say it. But in a way, it's it, it's loving completely like God loves. Is, is difficult for a reason. We're not God. But God is with us. We're trying to be like Jesus and trying to love like that. So trying is okay. You know, I, I, I don't agree with Yoda. Do or do not, there is no trying. Right? Because there is a sense of trying as we, as we go through this life. We are trying to follow after Jesus. We are trying to love like he does. We are trying to love like God loved us as we go. And I think that this is important for us. God loves this way, so why don't we? We are to love sacrificially with purpose. 
and to see others coming to the saving presence of God through relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son, empowered by the investment of the Holy Spirit. Why don't you set your things aside? Change. In the defense of change was the title of this. And it's still kind of a place marker, but it's not really, I, I can't really, I can't really say that that's the title of this. Because I think that in each of us, there's something that, that is going to stick this week. There's something that's going to stick in us that, that it may not be about the change. It may be about somebody. Somebody that you need to change by going and talking to them. That, that's a change, right? Being like nervous about sharing who you are and who Jesus is, right? Your, your testimony. Testimony is such a big scary word, isn't it? Really all it is is go have a discussion with somebody. Live life with people. Live life with them and tell them. I mean, we do that. We, what, what is the first question a lot of people, they, like, hi, how are you doing? What's the first question they ask after that? What do you do? Which I, 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 I as a pastor, I hate that question because, like, I try to avoid it. Because you say pastor and every conversation ends. But if I say, oh, I'm a musician. Oh, really? Okay, that's kind of, and then you can talk to them for a little while longer. Um, but there's something about how we are in conversation, isn't it? We get into the conversation and we start, I mean, ladies, you guys have this nailed. You'll get in and you'll meet somebody and you'll have a group of like 10 ladies together and in the first 15 minutes, they know each other's backstory. Guys, we can spend 15 years together and not know anything about each other. We can go fishing and just be out there and, yeah, you know, 10 years ago this happened. What? Why did you ever tell me? I don't know, I'm just fishing. But there's something about when we get in, you know, it's like, We've lost the art of the dinner party. We've lost the art of, of, of the, the garden party where you go in and you, you hang out and you, you just talk about life. And that's where testimony comes in because everybody's got a testimony, whether they're with the Lord or not. And your testimony is part of who you are. And you cannot be discounted for your testimony. So maybe we need to have dinner parties. Maybe we need to have garden parties. Maybe not right now. But there's something about getting together like that. I, I love, uh, Charlie has this idea of doing a block party. Maybe next spring we just need to do a block party in some of your guys' neighborhoods and gather some of your neighbors and start talking and hanging out and going, hey, sorry, that's that, the small talk that starts first. And then later, you get into life. I'm seeing this with, with, with um, I, I, I've been hanging around um, with some of my neighbors. And I've talked about one of my neighbors. But I, being available is probably the best thing we can possibly do in this world. Because how many people in this world have no one available for them? And they're lonely. And they're painfully lonely. Yes, there are people in the church that are painfully lonely. If you're that, you've got neighbors, right? You've got people in the church, call them up and go, hey, 
Be like, be like Jesus. Don't, don't just invite yourself over to their house. Go, hey, come over to my house because I'm lonely and I want you to talk to me. Can I get an amen on that? Come on. We've got a, we've got a directory. Call people. If you need help moving something big and heavy, I'll come. There's other people. I'll probably get Dennis to come help me. Is that okay, Cheryl? Okay, okay. But there, there's something about that. It's living life. And I just want to challenge you in that. This is, this is part of living on mission. Life on mission. We are a church on mission, are we not? Then we need to live life like we are on mission. Like, like we've received some sort of marching orders to go do exactly this. If we put our resources and our time towards other people, other people will be saved, discipled, changed. If we put our resources and time just into our own circles, those people's lives will not be changed, and neither will ours. So that's the challenge for today. I just want to invite you to, to bow your heads and and we're going to pray to, to seal our, our time here and close the service. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the challenge uh, that you give us in your spirit, Lord. That challenge is like a, a spiritual boot to the hiney. And God, we need that sometimes. Challenge us. Move us. By the name of Jesus, move us where you want us to go. It's not about any agenda, any, any mission statement for a, an organization. It's about following after Jesus Christ and being able to see other people follow after Jesus Christ. If we can do that, God, we, we can do anything in you, through you, by you. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, I do want to give an opportunity. I do this every week. I, I don't know. I don't know if there's somebody in here that needs this, but if, if you have, do not have that relationship with Jesus, if you're going, wow, I want that. I want that life that, that leads to that, that power and that authority to speak and to see people healed. That authority to be able to speak and see people's countenance lifted. To speak and, and to see others come to that place, that saving grace of Jesus in their life then I want to give you an opportunity. You just raise your hand. We can pray a little bit and you, you be in that relationship and start that road of discipleship. Is there anybody in here? Anybody? No? All right. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your grace, your peace, your life being lived in us. And we pray, God, that you would send us out on mission to find that place that, that just that meets all of that, the qualities within us that you have put in us of mission. It's all about your people. It's about your people you love. And God, we love them too. Go before us in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. You, you can go out and fellowship a bit. Um, you're released for, for the day. Have a great week. We'll see you in a couple weeks.